Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Utah's best athletes count on flexibility, speed, strength. And the Jazz pick up their 22nd assist. So they count on University of Utah help. Brielle Soleil puts this game away. And so can you. Leading doctors, a world-class environment, award-winning innovation, care to be great. 14 unanswered by the Utes. University of Utah Health, caring for Utah's best and yours. Schedule your appointment now at uofuhealth.org slash care to be great. Saturday show, everybody. Hope you all are doing well on this Saturday morning, wherever you're tuning in from, along the Wasatch Front or beyond. Jay Catch, Michelle Bodkin, back for another week of fun. And Michelle, we got a big show today. We do have a big show today. And I got to give the tip of the cap to you because you've been working on this for about a month. Uh, I'll just put the cat, I'll pull the cat right out of the bag. We're going to have Mark Harlan on the show, Utah's AD. Uh, You mentioned to me, this goes back, actually, over a month ago. Yeah, this was during. Utah women's basketball's second round okay. um, game that they had at Utah or hosted at the Huntsman Center. Uh, Utah's SID, Paul Kirk, <laughs> came up to me and I was like, sometimes when that happens, you're like, uh-oh, well, <laughs> what did I do? And uh, it was actually a, hey, Mark heard your, your Saturday show and he really wants to do it, so we want to arrange that. Yeah. And I was like, no kidding. And then after the game, Mark came up and talked to me and echoed the same thing. So we've been working on this for about two months, <laughs> trying to fit his schedule with our schedule. Sure. And really excited to have him on, really excited that he wanted to come on and talk to us Uh because he thought we sounded fun. So. I, well, I was as floored as anybody when you said, <laughs> hey, by the way, uh, Mark Harlan was coming to I was like, you mean the Mark Harlan you know, that runs Utah Athletics? Like, yeah, that's the one. I'm like, oh. Okay, cool. Yeah, let's do that. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, He'll be on at 10.15, so uh, we'll have a little extended uh, first segment here on the show. But as we are uh, typically, as we kick off today's show, let's get everybody's highlight of the week. I'm going to have you start off, Michelle. I mean, today probably counts as one, but, uh, you know, this week was just really nice. I actually took time off. I did not write a single thing this nice. week. Okay. So uh, if you've noticed that there hasn't been a lot of Utah bylines this week with my name on it, it's because I finally took time off for the first time since I took the job at KSL. Mm-hmm. Um, just to decompress and catch my breath and and we're feeling good and great and I'm so excited to be back next week and sure. I have some fun off-season stuff planned so can't wait to get into it well that, hey, that's that, that's really good to hear Corey what you got this week 
A uh, highlight of the week for me has been the NFL draft. Um, you know, I relocated here to Salt Lake from sure. Kansas City, and Kansas City has shown out really well, I think, yeah. on the draft. Uh, the whole setup's been awesome. Uh, the building they've got it at, Union Station, that's my wife and I's favorite building. We used to go okay. have dinner there at the restaurant all the time, and so just seeing everything play out the way it's played out in Kansas City has been pretty awesome. I love the draft anyway, mm-hmm. and the fact that it's in Kansas City, and they and you get a little nervous. You're like, okay, it's flyover country. Everybody kind of... <laughs> you know, says Kansas City's a cow town. So it's nice to see that it showed really well so far this weekend on the draft. Well, and see, and I'm with you on that. I was actually saying the NFL draft has been really fun to see guys like Dalton Kincaid living their dream, obviously. I, I'm a draft junkie as well. Mm-hmm. It, it makes no sense in in, re, in reality. Think about this. Like, we're talking about guys who are per, being picked by teams. They haven't hit the field yet. There's going to be months until they actually hit the field. But it's still just a ton of fun. And we've got it on the TV here in the main studio. They're kicking off day three, so rounds four through seven. But it's just a really fun thing. And it is fun to see these different communities because Nashville, two years ago, was it two years ago Nashville had it? And then Vegas last year. And then this year they've had in Kansas City. It's going to continue to move around the country. I think it's a really cool. Yeah, and I'm looking at it right now, and it's day three, and it's still packed, which is what I expect from Kansas City. That's the way kind of Kansas City is sure. as a sports town. So it's pretty cool to see that, that it's still packed on day three because we've seen some of these other locations where day three, it's pretty thin and pretty sparse for the crowd. Vegas So it's still, yeah, yeah, Vegas especially, but it looks really good on TV still with all the red out there for the Chiefs and the Chiefs drafting a hometown kid that grew up in Kansas City and oh, yeah. played at Kansas State. Just kind of a feel good. Now he has to play good, but it's a feel good story for the draft. It's Felix Anadoki Uzoma. And D.K. Uzama. Uzama. And yeah. he, so, born in Kansas City, high school football in Kansas City, yep. goes to Manhattan to play at Kansas State, yep. and then gets drafted by the Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah. He's been going to Chiefs games since he was seven years old. Aww, he, he's the that. he's the new Robert Woods. I don't know if you know the story about Robert Woods. He's an L.A. kid, went to high school in L.A., played at USC, drafted by the Los Angeles Rams when they moved back to the— moved back to L.A. He's now, he's moved, he went to Tennessee, and I think he's on the move again, but— Similar situation. Such like, a cool story. Yeah. You hope it works out. Yeah. Because it's one of those things that, you know, the fairy tale ending hasn't been written yet. <laughs> yeah. He's gotten to that point. Now, could he go out and star for his team and win a Super Bowl for his, you know, team that he grew up rooting for mm-hmm. would be really cool. But it is just an amazing night for him and his family. Yeah. It's going to be fun stuff. And uh, we're expecting a number of local names to come off the board today because we only have one so far. <laughs> Grand total of one with Dalton Kincaid. Well, that's not true. We have the two high oh, school kids. True. Yeah. We have the two local connections via high school. You're right. Uh, uh, Cameron Law, too, going to the San Francisco 49ers, as well as Siaki Ika going to the Cleveland Browns. I guess I'm more referring to the college. Yeah, call, the college guys, yes. Which we, we only have Dalton Kincaid so frank, far. frankly stunned that Clark Phillips and Blake Freeland are still out there, but that's okay. <laughs> Somebody's getting a still when those guys come off the you board. You know what? Let's start right there. Let's hit it. Let's get to what's the big deal. Do you know who I am? No, I, I can't say that I do. I don't know how to put this, but kind of a big deal really people know me i'm very happy for you i'm very important uh i have many leather-bound books and my apartment smells of rich mahogany (laughs) all right so as mentioned uh, only one local college player have been taken in the draft so far really cool to see dalton kincaid get his chance with the buffalo bills because in terms of landing spots that one right there for me, I'm like, that is awesome for him because that is a great organization to be playing for with a good quarterback, a good situation for him in terms of the offense he'll be playing in. I, I Honestly, I couldn't have thought of much, of much better spots for him to land. 
Yeah, I I think it ultimately worked out really well for him. I I liked the idea of the Packers. Mm -hmm. I think that would have been another kind of good spot for him. But the Bills are just more established. And so I I think the Packers have some work to do uh, in order to kind of get back in the conversation. But the Bills, they've been flirting with this for a while now and are, you know, one or two pieces away from, I think, really being a being a problem in the league for for the long haul and Dalton Kincaid very well could be one of those pieces and it's for the reasons reasons you mentioned I you know Josh Allen is a great quarterback they love throwing the ball around because he's good at doing that um (laughs) breaking news he's one of the top five quarterbacks in the NFL shocking uh you know and I I there's something about I can see I think Kincaid and Josh Allen are going to get along really well. I, I kind of see them being very simpatico personalities. Sure. And then on top of that, you know, you're talking about a very small, tight knit community in Buffalo. Yeah. The fan base is super loyal. They're super loud. They're super crazy. Dalton Kincaid's coming from a situation that's very much like that. And so I think for some guys you, that can maybe be a little bit overwhelming. I think Dalton's going to just thrive off of that. And I think he's going to love the Buffalo fans. And I think the Buffalo fans are going to love him right back. Well, and that's the thing about it is he's, he's just, he's a, he's a fun loving dude. We had him on our station all season long. He was on with Jake and Ben. Uh, he was just, he was a lot of fun to talk to. Like, and, and some, so the funny thing about it is when we have those, uh, we call them our NIL player interviews, like weekly interviews with a guy like uh, Dalton, he didn't necessarily care as much. He was more engaged when you asked him about off the field mm-hmm. around his life, that, that type of stuff, the football stuff, he would, he dressed it great, but he was, he was actually even better. I thought in interviews when he was just kind of riffing on whatever else, like did you growing up in Vegas? Did you like to, so many different things in terms of his just outside of football? It was so much fun, and you're right. I think he's going to fit in quite nicely. The other thing about this is, I think the Buffalo Bills and uh, Corey. I know that you're a Kansas City Chiefs guy. I think they looked at what Kansas City has beaten them with, and it's been Travis Kelsey, mm-hmm. and they found their Travis Kelsey in Dalton Kincaid. Uh, you know Dalton's potential in the league. I I think is astronomical, and it's yeah. it's because we are seeing you know the Travis Kelseys, the George Kittles. <laughs> um, just really kind of having a moment and Dalton has shown at the college level, he's very much that kind of guy. Uh, And I don't see any reason why, you know, barring crazy injuries or or anything like that, why he can't emulate that same success at the pro level. And again, especially since he did find such a good landing spot. Yeah. And no doubt about that. Uh, I also mentioned, I'm, this is just my personal thought. I thought that Clark Phillips would be off the board by today. I also thought Blake Freeland would be off the board. So speaking of Utah star cornerback and also BYU star offensive tackle. But alas, ground four underway. I think they said Nick Saldaveri is going to be the next pick by the New Orleans Saints here. I don't even know who he is or where he's from. But I'm assuming they'll be coming off the board pretty quickly here. I'm just stunned that they're not off the board already. I I can't speak too much to Blake. I don't mm-hmm. know a whole lot about him other than he was an absolute rock star at the NFL combine. And I know that BYU really loved and saying his praises while mm-hmm. he was here. Like I know he's good. Uh, I'm not entirely sure what maybe some of the issues are uh, surrounding him that maybe teams felt like they could wait a little bit longer to get him with Clark. It's, it's his height and it's it his size. Sucks. Yeah. It sucks because he's proven that the height does. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, you look at, um, gosh, I just lost his name. The Ohio State wide receiver uh, that got drafted night one, 
uh, you know, I mean, Clark was all over that. Like yeah. Clark gave that guy a run for his money. So yeah. it's just it's it's one of those unfortunate things. Uh, but I also I, I'm banking on Clark. You know, this is going to make him mad and it's going to make him hungry and you know, look out NFL. I, I think he's going to have a great career. And again, I don't know Blake Fre- Freeland so well, but if he's anything like Clark, it's going to be the same, it's going to be the same type of thing. Well, watch me. You're going to be so sorry. You didn't take a chance on me. Well, and that's the thing about it is, is I, I know a little bit more about Blake's background and NFL teams. They're all about projecting measurables. And that's what Blake has in spades. Six eight, long arms, freak athlete, all this stuff. But the I think the one thing that's holding him back in a way is almost his lack of experience playing the position. He's played offensive line for four years. All four years he was at BYU. That's the only time he played offensive line. He played quarterback, he played tight end, he played defensive end, he even played punter in high school. Nice. He was <laughs> he was the world's biggest punter, I'll tell you that. I saw him kick the football. I'm like, who is that kid? I don't know. Have you seen Andy Reid's punt, pass, and kick? I have seen that. He might be the biggest punter ever. Andy was like 12, <laughs> and he looked like he was 34 against a bunch of 10-year-olds. You're right. Okay, you're a good point. Nice nice pull on that one, Corey. But the, the bigger thing to me was, like, I get that the NFL, they're all about projecting upside. At this point, I, I'm with you. The proven production is on the side of a, of a guy like a Clark Phillips out there. Because, yes, he's not the tallest, he's not the biggest, he ain't the fastest. Mm-hmm. But he's got proven production at the Power 5 level over multiple years. And a team is going gonna, is gonna to see that eventually here, I'm assuming in the relatively not-too-distant future with the draft ongoing. But also with Clark, uh, not Clark, excuse me, speaking of Blake, his is more about potential. Mm-hmm. How much... Where, where is his ceiling in relation to where you're getting him right now for an NFL team? And there's philosophies on all of this. Like, I look at what the Atlanta Falcons did and them taking Bijan Robinson. I love Bijan Robinson as a running back, but you just took Tyler Algier last year in the fourth or fifth round. I remember which round he went in, and he ran for 1,000 yards last year. Are you going to go with two? Uh, like, are you going to go back to the old school NFL where you're going to run the ball every down? I just, that's my question about the philosophy sometimes with these NFL GMs. Right. Yeah, uh, I mean, there's always some questionable stuff. Why, why are we doing that? Because Bijan Robinson, he is a true three down back. Like he is a once in a decade type running back who can do everything the NFL requires of a running back. But to me, Atlanta's the spot that's like, okay, do you really need him? You need offensive linemen. You need guys on your defense because they're rebuilding. They're full yeah. rebuild mode. I just uh, maybe maybe they are looking to run the ball a lot with rebuilding. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. I, I will say I love Bijan Robinson. Oh yeah, hearing his name makes me a little sad all the time because in 2020 it was him and Ty Jordan that yeah. kind of broke out, and so I can't help but like think about and wonder what would we be talking sure. about Ty yeah. Jordan right now too? Because um, they were just they they were thing one and thing two. Yeah, and they were both very very good. You're right, and Bijan Robinson has become just he was this absolute phenomenal. Super, he yeah. lived up to the hype. Yeah, superstar at Texas did everything that that uh, program could have asked him to have done. And that's the thing about this is it's just so funny because the NFL draft can be so fickle in so many different mm-hmm. ways. Because you can think that okay, th- this team is going to do this, and sometimes you're right. But more often than not, you're wrong. You you're, have no idea it, it, what it, these it, people by the way, are thinking. The thing with the NFL draft is it's a complete liars club. Like it's all about like because I remember. Did you guys see that the Reddit stream that said Will Levis was telling people he's going to go to Carolina, and all of a sudden these draft uh, the draft odds on these sports books shot Will Levis from I saw forty to one to four to one on DraftKings, and 
What does Will Levis do? He sits there in the green room looking dejected for the most part and then gets taken in the second round. Like, <laughs> I don't know who this random person on Reddit was, but they they set him up for just an incredible – and it set, to say a fall from grace, but it just it, – it felt like it's unfair to this kid because he's sitting there in the green room with his family, his friends around him, and they kept going back to him time and time and I time know. again. It's just tough. <sighs> Your heart hurts for those guys on one hand, and then on the other hand, you kind of just pout and shrug, and you're like, <laughs> "There, there is a guy like this every year. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. one, or, one or two guys where it's just like, we're just going to keep panning to how miserable you are because you're not going where we projected you would go. Sure. And <laughs> th- that's the thing about it is you, you, you're like, stop showing the kid. I know. But at the same time, as a TV programmer, you can't not, if that makes sense. Yeah. Like, it, it's a storyline. It's yeah. a, it's a, yeah, it's a storyline. It's something, something to watch. Yeah. And sadly, there are a lot of people that just thrive off of others' misery. All right. Uh, we are going to pivot now. We're going to bring in Utah Athletic Director Mark Harlan, of course, uh, doing great things up there on the Hill. Mark, thank you for carving out some time and joining us here on the Saturday Show. How are you, sir? Oh, good, Jake. Good to talk to you and Michelle. Good to hear your voice as well. But wait, I was just coming in. Who's living off someone being miserable? Oh, Are there people like that? Uh, Who does you, that? You know, like <laughs> we, 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 our, our topic we were talking about is the situation around Will Levis and how this week during oh, yeah. and lead up to the NFL draft, somebody on, got on Reddit, a message board of all things, and said that he's telling people he's going to Carolina with the top overall pick. But meanwhile, he slips into the second round and they kept going back to him time and time again during that first round of the draft. And it's just like... If you felt bad for the kid. Yeah, no, I, I was reading some things. I, um, you know, if you also, I mean, you do feel bad for any, any student athlete and until he's not a student athlete, right. <laughs> Going through that on the same token, you know, 105 start every football season at this level, the hardest dang thing. And, and maybe on a good year, four or five, six, we'll get drafted and the rest just move on. So, Getting drafted in the second round to a team he may start at in the next year is not such a bad thing, right? But we'll see where it goes for him. But it's always hard when they focus in on those kids for so long, right? Absolutely. Yeah, de- definitely Absolutely. feel bad about that. Well, Mark, I think no some question. I think some congratulations are in order for starts. Uh, congrats on the AD of the year. I, that's incredible. Five years in at Utah. And uh, I think it's – Easy to say you have not had the easiest – in some ways it's been the easiest job. In another way, it has not been the easiest job. You started off with the Lauren McCluskey situation, had Ty Jordan, Aaron Lowe following that. Uh, and yet this athletic department seems like it just keeps thriving even with some of some of the heartbreak. Just talk about that journey and, and what it's been like having to deal with those situations but at the same time see this athletic department continue to rise. Well, thank you. First on the AD of the year, it's a little goofy, right? Because uh, there's just that's just a department honor in, in every definition. And, you know, you have such an incredible staff, 200-plus people, coaches and student-athletes, and we've had a lot of competitive success at the same time, you know, a lot of academic success. So it's a tribute to everybody. Um, and uh, probably another way for our department to have to buy a table at some event this summer. Maybe I don't know. But all, 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 of, it, all of it in there. But, 
You know, it, it, it is. I was just reflecting this week because it, it, someone had mentioned to me that the five-year period is coming up, and you do reflect on how fast it's gone, and you reflect on all the people uh, that have been around these last five years. And, and yeah, there's been some incredible moments. You know, I can think of many that, that you know, are memorable forever. And, and as you said very well, there's just been some tremendous tragedy that, uh, you know, that, that will stick to me and anyone that's been around, you know, for the rest of our lives. And, uh, you know, to, to see, you know, students have to go through that is, is just heartbreaking the families, but at the same time to watch the nets that we have in the department to, to deal with things like mental health and, and, um, that really helped move everyone forward through all those circumstances you know, I think we're up to five mental health specialists, and they're unbelievable, and they're so good, and and the utilization rates high. So, um, you know, just we're blessed to be around a lot of folks that that we're able to come together. You know, you say family, you know, it it, it has to mean something. And I think we've been able to create that here, and and then just on the recent success, I think during COVID, that was another piece where because we had such high infrastructure on mental health and incredible coaches and a long time folks that have been here, you know, we were able to really kind of launch out like a rocket out of COVID. Um, and if you really look back, it's particularly, you know, over the, the league championships in the last two years, I, I think coming out of COVID and the way that it was handled by our students really is a key contributor, but it's been a great five years. I can't wait to see what we're going to do next because I think we're primed to, to keep rising. Now, Mark, uh, the 22 Forever game was rebranded this year, obviously, in the memory you said of the difficulties of the situation with Ty Jordan, Aaron Lowe. Uh, can, a week removed from it, do you have any thoughts on how it went and ver- versus what you may hope it becomes in the future? Well, the first thing I know is don't do your spring game on the same day as a marathon. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I was going to bring that part up, but yes, you're right. Because the emails would suggest we should reconsider that. Um, <laughs> no, I mean, listen, it, it is, it is a, um, it, was, it was just an incredible concept, again, coming out of the football team, the leadership council, and the staff who have been so incredibly authentic in their celebration and remembrance of Aaron and Ty. And this was just another example of that, you know, to have all proceeds go to you know, to the scholarship uh, is, is, is fantastic. And, you know, we're very appreciative of, of everyone that comes and, and, and does that. So, no, we were, you know, a joke. We, the folks that were there, I thought were treated to a really, um, a really good event. Like anybody, you get to the end of these 15 practices and, and, you know, some folks are beat up. And so we didn't have everybody out there, which is, you know, like everybody else. But it was a great day. Um, got out relatively injury-free. I thought it was a terrific spring. The practices I went to, the guys that I talked to, obviously talked to Coach Wood a lot about it. I think there was a lot of growth, just a really physical, fast group. I think that's what uh, folks are going to really see when we when we reappear in, in August. But another great step forward for the football program, and, uh, you know, it'll be here before we know it. You have – kind of a deeper connection to the University of Utah. This was just brought up to me. I did an article about Keith Embray, and he talked about how you actually have a very close relationship with Coach Ron McBride and his wife, Vicki, from your time at Arizona. I don't know that people necessarily know that connection. Uh, talk, talk about them and that relationship that you built. 
Well, first of all, Keith is just fantastic. Uh, appreciate you. You're going to do a feature on him. It, 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 he's just been a, another really key person who's come in the last few years and has just brought such dignity, such uh, intelligence to his role in, in EDI, but also just who he is and, 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 you know, how he came to Utah and he changed as a person. And, and he's just incredible around our student athletes and coaches and just, just love him to death. So glad he's here. So, yeah, so in 1987, I needed to go to college, and but I needed to find aid. So I went to the University of, of Arizona. They had football scholarship deals, right? And I wasn't a football player, but I was like, hey, they pay you to go out. So I became a football manager my true freshman year, and I got assigned to this, this rather interesting feller named Ron McBride, who was the O-line coach. And so I was his student manager, and half the things I probably shouldn't say publicly what he made me do, something to do with laundry a lot, picking up stuff, the things he'd leave, <laughs> leave behind. I'd go back and trace his steps and find it. And so Vicky, of course, she just she just would get such a kick out of all the things I had to do for Ronnie. So pretty pretty incredible when, when the call came to, to come to Utah. You know, he was like the first or second person I talked to after – and we were just, you know, crying and laughing about everything. I mean, how far, you know, we both have come. And, and so to come back and be around Vicki and Ron and the whole family, it's just been such a blessing. I mean, you just look for these little God winks along the way. And that's certainly one of those. And and uh, he's he's terrific. And, you know, his players that come back all the time, I mean, they're just, it's just, I don't know, that, just the remarkable work he did, the, the things he was able to do here, um, you know, I, I, I can't, I, I think people here get it, but I think I want to make sure more people understand that he was rem, a remarkable coach and a remarkable person here. Now, speaking with Mark Harlan, Utah Athletics Director here on the Saturday show on 97.5 FM, the KSL Sports Zone. And Mark, now is uh, the, the, the Power Five moniker has become a bigger and bigger thing. It feels like every year that this goes on. And we just learned this week about the expanded playoff, how it's going to look in 2024 in particular. Uh, do you, I guess, I'm asking you philosophically, do you like the idea of a bigger college football playoff in the football realm? Yes. No, very supportive of it. You know, have, have been somewhat vocal about that. Although I, when I was on the football oversight committee, I just stepped off, I think six months ago, I was on there for three years. I was mm-hmm. less vocal because, you know, you just got to be kind of chill about those things. But, but um, yeah, very, very uh, pleased and, and, you know, understand that I think greater access to, that championship is better. You know, I'm also pleased with the way it's rolled out. You know, I'm not saying I agree with every little thing, but the fact that we can do, you know, opening games on campus, although very challenging in a lot of ways, and I'm on a little subcommittee trying to work through all that right now. But I think having more teams involved, and then quite honestly, I mean, I don't know if any of the ADs have said this, but it's just too true not to say it. You know, for our conference, when we went through such the tough the challenge with the L.A. schools leaving last June, you know, once the CFP expansion became permanent, you know, if there was other folks looking over the, the fence at other possibilities, you kind of got to recalibrate and rethink, right? Because now there's more access, you know, on, on most years, even without the LA schools, our data showed that, you know, that two will get in. If you got a 10 or, you know, conference, or if we decide to expand or not, we'll figure that out down the line. It just, it, it becomes a different calculus if you're really talking about chasing a championship. So that really helped kind of settle everything our league was going through. But I'm really excited about it. You know, it's been fun to look where Utah, you know, would have been seated. Um, and I think, what did I see recently? Last year, 
because we were one of the P5 champions, we would have had a buy. Yeah, been a four seed. And, said. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You probably saw the same thing, and I think it would, we would have played the winner of Tulane. Michigan. I don't know. I can't remember. Anyway, <laughs> you know, it's it, it's exciting to to think about how it's going to be uh, moving forward. You kind of brought up some of the uncertainty about you know what's going on with the Pac-12, just college football in general. What's it been like for you as an AD? seeing Utah athletics so focused and willing to achieve any level of success, even with kind of the outward noise that's going on? Yeah, well, that's a great question. You know, I mean, obviously it's been a very interesting year uh, in, 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 in the respect of so many outside of Salt Lake city, you know, Utah issues that, that our team manages here and, and big decisions by others or big work needed to be done by others that are so important to, to our future. And I went through all of the iterations of this, you know, I call it post June 30, right. The, the, the morning. When we, what, I like that term actually post June well, let me 30. Tell you what happened. Okay. <laughs> I had just come back from, I, th- I think my son and I had done a fishing trip or something. And I remember, I remember driving into work that morning and okay. thinking, man, things, things are going really good. <laughs> I mean, I was, I remember thinking that and I, I, cause I'd been gone. I got up particularly early and I remember, and I got a call from a friend of mine in the big 10 and AD there. And he said, are you sitting down? And I said, no, I'm driving. He goes, well, call me back. So I had a two hour heads up on it. And I remember staring out the window and like, Oh my God, you know, <laughs> hey, what, what are we, what, what's going to happen here? Called the boss, you know, did all those things I needed to do. But that began the journey of, of, you know, being depressed a little bit, worried about our conference, worrying about how it's going to affect our department. But as you go through any crisis, right, you get around people that are smarter than you and you listen and you work your way through it. And you really, Michelle, get into your, your point or your question, you know, call all the coaches in. We talk to student athlete leadership, like who cares? We have all worked for this year upcoming we're going to get after it. We're still going to be these 12 for the next two years. You guys do your thing, coaches, student athletes. I think we could have a fabulous year here based on all our metrics. Go get it and let, you know, let the administration do what we're supposed to do. So try to set the tone that way, you know, control the controllables and, and move forward. And I think that's proven to be a good play. And as we sit today, you know, I feel good about where we're going. You know, we all want this deal done. You know, I do believe we're getting to that, that, that final time, although I've probably said that a few other times, but, you know, we're, we're just, we're, we're just, we're not going to take any deal. We're just going to take a good deal. So I uh, feel like hopefully we'll get that wrapped up and then we'll go in and, and get after a, a new competitive year starting in August. I think you just invented a new term, Mark, post June 30th syndrome. I think that's a perfect. <laughs> oh, yeah. Love it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Believe me, it is a syndrome, I can tell you for sure. <laughs> well, Kate, and you mentioned the fact that you guys, yeah, but you, your goal here, and you said, I think you laid it out there in that answer, is you've essentially told the coaches and players, hey, there's a lot of noise, there's a lot of people asking questions to you guys, but let us at the administration hand, level handle that. Have they, to your, I guess, under your knowledge, have people been able to focus on that? Because to me, it seems like they have been able to narrow in on that and keep that focus there. Yeah, I, I believe so. I mean, you know, all of us in this business, whether we're a coach or whatever role, you know, you're, you're, you've got your head up every now and then looking out what's going on in the landscape. And, and, but I, I do think that they did exactly that because 
again, you know, all these league championships this year and, and, and the highly ranked teams, I mean, if, if you're not solely focused as a coach or student athlete, you're going to get walloped at this level. So I think they really have focused in on that. And certainly when there's questions, you know, if they're out on the recruiting trail and, you know, hey, you guys are dropping to blah, 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 you're going to go there, that, you know, I'm able to, you know, we're able to, get to, to make sure we have everybody with, with the information that they need. But I do think we've done a nice job of just focusing in, you know, and I talked to some of my friends that are big 12 ADs, you know, when they had Texas, Oklahoma go out a year ahead of us, you know, one AD there in particular is a really good friend of mine. And he, and, and he just said, Mark, just focus your department on what's in front of them. Like, because the heat, they had some issues with that at, at, you know, at their place in the beginning. So that helped good reminder, just, keep everyone focused on what they can control, which is working really hard. Don't miss class, coach your tails off, recruit your tails off and let's go get it. Mark, we really appreciate the time you've given us. I have one more question for you. Uh, And it's, it's more in line with, we're now starting to get into Utah has the crimson collective. We're getting, we're getting very serious here about, um, donations and funding and that was something that you did at your last job at USF and they are currently seeing the fruits of that labor uh, with a brand new football facility Um, they're going to be building an on-campus stadium which they have not had in the 20 or 30 years that they've they've been a program Uh, and now like I said we're starting to kind of see this trickle into the Utah sphere as well why is donating or getting donations and funding so important and especially now with nil yeah well you know there's just there's certain amount of revenue streams that come to a department that you know has to be self-sufficient right and so you know maximizing those opportunities that you have are, are critical and i would argue you know the number one thing that i really have to watch every day you know our our, our teams are our, our student athlete experience um, et cetera, et cetera, it only works with resources. So what's been so great here is the donors that have stepped up, whether we had to get the South End Zone done or had to build a golf facility or had to increase our scholarship allotments or we had to increase operational budgets, whatever it might be, our donors have been very responsive. I mean, I think we had 7,100 Crimson Club donors five years ago. You know, now we're inching toward, you know, 12,000. You know, that that annual funding is is critical. You know, it's absolutely the money that allows us to go forward. I mentioned five mental health specialists. We don't have five mental health specialists without, you know, without donors. As far as the Crimson Collective and just the NIL, you know, what I've learned in this process is, you know, donors just need to understand, you know, what, what, what they need to do to support us the most. And I've been very clear that this is a new day. And NIL opportunities for our student athletes that are currently with us is a critical uh, piece of all of it. And I think what I've learned in all of this is that our place in that is is we have to make sure we're we're explaining that. You know, we're very clear on it's about our student athletes. We're very clear on on our integrity and in all of this. But it's it's fair to say, and that's why President Randall and I did put our put our support behind the Crimson Collective because the values are are, are lined up in that way. What I'm really excited about on this is that, um, you know, we've, we've generated multi-millions for the football program going into the launch of the Crimson Collective. And I think this is just going to supercharge, you know, the efforts, the kind of folks they have on their board, um, their leadership structure that's coming together. 
So I'm really excited about where it's going to go. Um, yes, there's national issues and, and how this has gotten into recruitment. And again, that's something for the ADs and the presidents nationally to continue to make sure that we're trying to do this the right way. But I love the story being told at Utah, a lot of authentic deals, a lot of, a lot of really good stuff going on from cross country athlete, you know, up to almost 20,000 now in corporate support because she's out there pushing it to, you know, some of the top earners, everyone talks about the top ones, but all the way through the organization. So I'm actually, I know it's counterintuitive a little bit. I'm actually kind of excited about the whole process. I know it's frustrating for our coaches that recruit when they run into some clear inducement issues. Um, and we just work through those as best as we can. But overall, um, I think the Crimson Collective is really going to launch us into being one of the very best in the country in this space. Well, Mark, I cannot thank you enough for carving out some time to join us here on the Saturday show. Hopefully we can do this again down the road, but really do appreciate you taking some time to join us this morning. Yeah, really, just let me say, I listen to you guys a lot on Saturdays. I'm out and about when I'm taking my son to baseball games, and, and, and I just think you guys do a great job. Both of you guys do your homework and, um, you know, really, really appreciate anyone in the business that does their homework and, and, and you know, uh, does really good work. So thank you and appreciate you guys inviting me on. Absolutely. We'll do it again soon. Thanks again, Mark. All right, guys. Thank you. Have a great Saturday. Bye. Do the same. There you go. Mark Harlan. Interesting stuff. It was good to hear him talk about the Crimson Collective because that's a big deal. A huge deal, by the way. You, you, yeah. you got to get in the game. <clears throat> oh, 1,000%. And again, it's looking at his last stop at USF. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, he, he is very, very responsible for some of the things that they are doing now. And that was a conversation that I had when I was in Florida. I met up with BJ Daniels, um, quarterback of the Salt Lake Stallions. Sure. That's how I know him. He's now currently working for the USF athletic department. And one of the first things he told me when we sat down to do our drinks and munches, um, <laughs> drinks and munches, drinks like and munches yeah. is, is that, the USF athletic department still talks about what Mark Harlan's done for them as okay. far as getting funding and donations going in order to do the things that they're currently doing. Um, so, I mean, that's huge. And that's something I, Utah's a little bit more of an established program all the way around than USF is. Um, you know, we're talking about over a hundred years of existence versus 25, 30 years of existence. Yeah. Um, but I don't think it was something that Utah took as seriously as they could have. And in the last five years, I think we've seen them up the ante. And again, that's because that's an emphasis that, as we've been told, Mark takes very, very seriously. Yeah. We saw it at USF. We're seeing it here at Utah. And it's going to be interesting to see where this goes. And he laid groundwork at USF that he never actually saw it come to fruition. It's paying right. off now. So mm -hmm. that's the interesting part about it. All right. We have spent a very long time on this first segment. So we need to take a break. We'll come back. <laughs> uh, we do have a local player that's come off the board. You probably saw it. Blake Freeland has been picked in the NFL draft. We'll talk about that. And by the way, we have two kickers off the board four rounds into the NFL draft. What? I know. We'll talk about all of it all next. This is the Saturday show on 97.5 FM, the KSL Sports Zone. I'm Dave Cauley investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. 
In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. With the 25th pick in the 2023 NFL Draft, the Buffalo Bills select Dalton Kincaid, tight end, Utah. Welcome back to the Saturday show here on the KSL Sports Zone. Michelle and Jake along for the ride. As you heard, that was the call uh, Thursday night as... uh, uh, I want to say Blake Freeland, but we just had Blake Freeland <laughs> go off the board. Dalton Kincaid taken by the Buffalo Bills. Uh, welcome back to the Saturday show, everybody. Uh, we have two more local draft picks to talk about here uh, in the fourth round. So it's actually, we're not even halfway through the fourth round, but we saw it with the 106th pick, if I recall correctly. Blake Freeland out of BYU goes to the Indianapolis Colts. And just a few moments ago, literally, mm-hmm. Clark Phillips off the board to the Atlanta Falcons. I have a friend that's going to be thrilled about that. Played at Stanford, okay. does some stuff with Pac-12 networks, oh, uh, but grew right. up grew up in Atlanta, and the Falcons are his team. So sweet. Well, here's the thing: Atlanta's a great opportunity for a guy like Clark, and it's it's a, it's a similar situation for Blake Freeland and both of these guys. Is both of those franchises because Shane Steichen's the new head coach out in Indianapolis. He's going to be kind of re- retro re- redoing what Indianapolis has tried to do. They got their quarterback in Anthony Richardson. Huge boomer bust potential there with me. But they needed guys to protect him. And that's what a guy like Blake Freeland's going to have the opportunity to go in there and day one potentially be one of the left or right tackle in that situation to protect him. But similar situation in Atlanta for a guy like Clark. That defense, no offense to Atlanta fans, it was bad. <laughs> but they needed they need some guys who have who can go in there and play. And I think I this is just me talking. I think Clark is a day one starter in Atlanta. You know, Clark is probably one of the most there's my friend right now texting me. I, <laughs> I called it. I called it. That's awesome. I just got a text. That is awesome. <laughs> um, going, to, going to Clark. Clark is probably one of the most hyper-focused, sure. responsible, I'm going to get it done. I know you said I can't do it, but I'm going to go ahead and do it anyway. Individuals I think I've ever come sure. across. Like. He is just so incredibly smart. He knows what he wants. He knows what he has to do to get it. And I agree with you. I I think he's a starter in the NFL, and I think he's going to prove, be one of those guys that prove that, you know what, these measurables that the NFL is so in love with, mm-hmm. uh, you know, sometimes they don't matter. They just don't matter. A baller is a baller. And Clark Phillips is a baller. Well, and that's the thing about it is he, he – there, like we talked about this in the start of the show, there are two different philosophies that dominate the NFL draft. There is drafting for upside, what you project a guy can become, yes, versus what's on tape, like the the production, the proven production. Clark is the proven production for me. Mm-hmm. There's still upside there. Yes, he's probably maxed out his frame. He's maxed out probably how much he's going to weigh. His speed, that, that stuff's maxed out, but there's still potential for him to grow in his role. It, but there's the philosophy there. And to me, this is Atlanta saying, okay, we need some guys who can come in and play right away. Mm-hmm. And that's what I think Clark is. Blake Freeland, to counter that in a way, is he is a guy, I said, he's only played offensive line for four years in college. 
He would never played it in high school. The 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 Colts are banking on the fact they're going to bring him in, and they're saying, okay, he's only played for four years here. He's got a pretty good track record during his time playing this position, but how much better can he get? He's going to grow with our with our core here because right. Anthony Richardson in a similar circumstance. There's not a ton of proven production on his end, right? So to me, Indianapolis is their their camp is in the upside. We're projecting forward, whereas Atlanta knows, hey, this is what Clark Phillips is, and we need him to come in and be that right away. Yeah, I I think that's a fair assessment. Uh, gosh, I speaking of the Anthony Richardson pick, uh-huh. I that one worries me a little bit because See, I think he has so much potential, sure. but I think very much like Zach Wilson. Mm-hmm. It's not doing him a favor expecting him to be your starter out of the gate. I think those were guys that need time. And, and the way the NFL operates, <laughs> we get impatient when yeah. you don't do what we want you to do immediately. And you'll just get tossed aside. And unfortunately, I think we've maybe seen that with Wilson. We'll see if he can figure out a way to get back in the groove of things. Maybe he can learn behind Aaron Rodgers. It doesn't sound like Rodgers is the most friendly person when it comes to that. He said all the right things this week about it, but the the track record. The track record, not so great. Um, It's kind of funny to kind of weigh those two because he kept saying, uh, (laughs) my my goal is to come in here and build up his confidence once again. And I'm like, is that what you said about Jordan Love over there too? Like... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, we're going to find out. We're going to find out. Buckle up, buttercups. Yeah. Um, but it's it's the same thing with Anthony Richardson. It's, I hope they're patient with him because yeah. I think there is huge potential there. But he is very raw. Mm-hmm. He yeah. is very, very raw. And he's going to make some really boneheaded mistakes. The, the, the Colts are banking on him becoming Josh Allen. The, I, I, I know that yeah, making no. comps are like they're kind of a fool's errand in a way. But big body. Better athlete, well, he's even better athlete than Josh Allen is. Oh, 1,000%. But did not have, he's got the same type of throwing numbers in college that Josh Allen had. And Josh Allen has become a 65, 70% completion guy in the NFL. The the Buffalo Bills brought him along. Mm -hmm. That's what Shane Steichen, who worked with Jalen Hurts and developed Jalen Hurts into what he is with the Philadelphia Eagles, they're banking on him going into Indianapolis and essentially doing that with Anthony Richardson. I also agree with you, though. He's being put in a situation where if you're going to toss him out there game one, it may be a bad idea because in some ways I actually feel like Aaron Rodgers going to the Jets and having Zach Snell sit behind him, which I project is probably for two years. Yeah. What uh, seems yeah. that way. This is what Zach needed. Zach yeah. needed this year from the, one. From the get-go. From the get-go. That's what Anthony Richardson kind of needs. Mm-hmm. But the situation with Indianapolis when you're the number four overall pick is fans are going to demand, I want to see AR or whatever his new nickname is going to be out there on the field. And looking like Josh Allen. <laughs> yes, but they should not be. They should yeah, not don't, be. Yeah. Don't, 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 yeah. don't, just don't. All right, we'll come back. We'll continue to talk about this. We're going to track this throughout uh, the entirety of our show. Uh, any other guys who come off the board, we'll make sure to bring them to you live. Any other thoughts on that as we continue on as well? Uh, coming up next, though, we'll get to technical fouls. This is the Saturday show on 97.5 FM, the KSL Sports Zone. You're coming from the street with dirty shoes on your feet. That's a technical foul. If you switch the radio to some modern music show, that's a technical foul. If you touch the thermostat, you'll get hit with a bat. Cause that's a technical foul. You will feel my wrath. That's a technical foul. Personal file, 69, offense. He was giving them the business. A technical foul. 
Welcome back to the Saturday show, everybody. Hope you all are doing well here on 97.5 FM, the KSL Sports Zone. Michelle Bodkin, Jay Catch, along for the ride on the Saturday morning. Uh, okay, now it's time for technical fouls, but real quick, just get a quick update in. Braden Daniels has come off the board to the Washington Commanders in the fourth round of the NFL draft. Starting to see the local guys go a little uh, quicker now, Michelle. It's fun to see. So fun to see. I, I am so excited for Braden. Uh, he is a guy that I feel like was overlooked a little bit mm-hmm. uh, until he had that performance at the NFL Combine, and it was so fun. I actually caught the offensive lineman, so it was really fun seeing uh, both him and Blake Freeland being like the in, in the top three of all the offensive linemen that they brought there. Sure. Uh, it, it was just like a back and forth. They kept trying to outdo each other. I thought it was great. Uh, it was a really great showing for the state of Utah and what we provide with our colleges as far as going to the next level. Um, but yeah, Bray, Braden absolutely deserves this opportunity. He's worked hard. He's quietly worked hard. Uh, and now, you know, he's getting his shot at the next level. Well, one thing, just real quick on that, the one thing I like about him is he offers versatility no matter where you line him up. Guard, tackle, even center potentially if they want. He can play any of those positions. So he may not project as a left tackle at the next level, mm-hmm. but the nice part about the Washington Commanders, they can be like, all right, let's try out some different positions and see where you fit best. Just, yeah. And it, and that's kind of by design. Yeah. Uh, that's something that's kind of been a key with Jim Harding yes. is he moves his guys around and gives them experience kind of everywhere or a Correct. lot of his guys. Um, and it just makes them more valuable at the next level. All right, let's get to technical fouls. Uh, Corey, I'm actually have you kick us off this week. Go ahead. My technical foul goes to Dylan Brooks. I had an idea. <laughs> I was going to go with this one. And so I guess you and I have a co-technical foul here. This is true. Uh, yeah. Last night, the uh, Lakers just boat raced the Grizzlies, Pounded, yeah. beat them by 40. Yeah. You might recall Dylan Brooks uh, calling I, out LeBron, saying, I don't respect anybody until they put 40 on me. Well, interesting that the Lakers won by 40 last night. But Dylan Brooks, instead of facing the music and owning up to it, Dylan Brooks bailed out of the locker room last night before media could get to him to ask him any question. That is just, that, that's cowardly, yeah. Dylan Brooks. And for you to walk away and not face the music, that is a technical foul on Dylan Brooks. I was going to go with it, too, because I, I I tagged, I saw, I saw Tim McMahon, I think from ESPN, said that he he evacuated the locker room yep. before media was let in. I tagged it with the Kobe Bryant gif, the so, soft one, because that is Charmin soft. Mr. I don't respect him to put 40 on me. And then you ref- and then you claim that the media and the fans are creating this villain persona for you. And then after that, you refuse to address the media for two plus games. And just the whole uh, Grizzlies yeah. persona talking all this smack. They, you've won nothing. They've, they've like, gone win something and then talk. They've won nothing. And they do all this talking and chirping. And then Dylan Brooks just disappears. They went from uh, like plucky underdog to like arch. Um, I don't know what you'd want to describe. Like, they're, they're, everybody hates them now. They're, they're easy to hate right yeah. now. Anyways, they went and they did that like overnight. It's crazy. But anyways, well, so. I mean, nobody in Salt Lake is surprised. Dylan Brooks is a punk, Sharp, and, sh- and we all knew he was a punk the moment Sharp, yeah. that he uh, he decided oh. to flop. The and worst. nobody was near him. <laughs> the worst flop, man. I just Sharp. now well. Now I know why that gif was floating across my timeline. Now you know. Now yeah. I know. Yeah. Char- I, I saw it like Char- yesterday. Charmin soft. That's, so Charmin yeah, soft. It's ridiculous. All right, Michelle, what do you got? 
you know what? We're going to go back to something that we kind of touched on before we had Mark Harlan come on. If you missed that, make sure you go back and you listen to it. We'll get on the podcast for Um, sure. Yes. But technical foul on the camera guys that kept panning on poor Levis. Like, oh, Will Levis. He, he, he got the Aaron Rodgers and the Geno Smith treatment. Those are the two uh, quarterbacks that come most notably Brady Quinn. Brady Quinn Ooh, as well. You're right. Yeah. Also good call. They had to sit in that green room. And as a TV programmer, like it's your job to to show them in the green room. But to do it, it was, was it 30 plus times I think they showed him? Oh, was it? And, and by the way, the other, thing oh. about this, the, the other thing that made it worse for me is ESPN somehow has a metric now of – well, it, the option, the odds of him having not gone in the first twenty picks was one point one percent. Yeah. Why are you doing this to this young man? Anyways, continue. I mean that that was pretty much yeah. it. Just like, oh. like I get it. Like okay, one or two times. Sure. Like in key moments, this should not be the storyline to kind of end the first round of the NFL draft. Like. Well, it's what's supposed to be the best night of his life, yeah. and he's sitting there suffering through real embarrassment. Mm-hmm. And I, I, it just doesn't make sense to me why they do that to guys. I understand the theater, and you're trying to, you know, show, you know, make it dramatic. But your guys can talk about it. You've got your analysts; they can be talking about the surprise that Will Levis is falling. There's no reason to keep showing the guy. I know. Yeah. So it, heart it goes out to him. Brutal, brutal stuff to watch that go down. But hey. He got, he got in a good spot because Tennessee's going to give him a chance to compete for playing time yeah. right away. And he's playing closer to where he played he was at Kentucky. But it's just you feel for the kid because he's put on a like – they're, they're already on a pedestal. Mm-hmm. But in that situation, everybody's kind of like making fun of you. And that's, that, that's the tough part to yeah. stomach. So yeah. I don't know. And there were people because he – so he left the draft and went home. He had a family function or something like that. And people were saying, well, he just he, – he fled Kansas City. I'm like, no, he didn't. He had he, – he had plan- Why he, would he come back and subject himself to it again? Well, true. But, just get out of the, get the, out of the thing, view of everybody. He fully anticipated being done Thursday night and being wherever he was supposed to be in the NFL. Like, he was supposed to be doing a press conference like Dalton Kincaid did for the Buffalo Bills. Right. They fly him on a private jet and they do a press conference. He fully expected that to be going down. He did not flee the scene. <laughs> Whatever. Yeah. So lame. <laughs> don't, don't do that to people. It was rough. It was a tough scene, no doubt about that. All right, uh, we will come back. We'll uh, dive in. I want to talk a little NBA. Also, we'll keep you updated on the NFL draft. We've got a lot to cover. Hour two of the Saturday show coming up next. This is ninety-seven point five FM, the KSL Sports Zone. A gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me, and this is the point where I thought I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts.